In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Advent is a season of preparation for the coming of Jesus. We remember and prepare for Jesus' first coming in history, and we look forward to his second coming at the end of history. One thing that is clear is that when our Lord comes, he views what is taking place within our hearts. Jesus then confirms that our outward state matches our inward state. This process is called judgment. When someone judges, it requires that person to come and see the state of things. It requires the judge to have a knowledge of the truth of reality to make a determination. And it requires the judge to either condemn or validate what he sees so that truth and reality are preserved. In our epistle reading, St. Paul writes, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. St. Paul recognizes that not even he is able to judge himself, but only Jesus can do this in a way that fully accounts for the truth. This would suggest that Christ is the only judge of reality. Only Jesus can come, perceive and compare reality with truth, and then render a righteous verdict or a righteous verdict of condemnation or vindication. Jesus declares that he is the truth when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When this world crucified Jesus, this world rejected Christ and therefore rejected the truth. Pontius, Jesus tells Pontius Pilate that he has come to bear witness to the truth, to which Pilate responds, what is truth? Pontius Pilate was unable to recognize that the truth was standing right in front of him. There are consequences to willfully rejecting the creator of the world and denying the truth. Over time, it seems, this world has become more and more uncoupled with the truth. C.S. Lewis writes about this in The Abolition of Man, where he defends that things have objective value and that there is a natural law. Lewis says the statement, waterfalls are sublime, is an absolute truth to be recognized, not an individual opinion. Anyone who has been to the Yosemite Valley in spring or on board Niagara Falls made of the mist will agree that waterfalls are objectively and factually sublime. However, Lewis points out that the statement waterfalls are sublime has become a statement that may be true for one person and not true for another. Lewis' point is that this is ultimately a rejection of truth and that it will result in denying things that are more concretely and obviously true, such as that one may call a dog, a, uh, may call a cat that is really a dog because that is what may be true for one and not for the other. If I were to ask you for examples or instances where our society has clearly rejected the truth of reality, I am sure we would hear a handful of the same most brazen examples. This is a direct result of the world's rejection of Jesus. My point here is not to condemn our society or say it is bad or scary. 
I, of course, am not the righteous judge of the world. The fact is, this world has rejected Christ when it nailed him to the cross, and therefore is unable to see truth on its own. I would also contend, before we get too high and mighty, that there are instances within our own lives where we are either unable to see the truth clearly or have flatly rejected it. As C.S. Lewis admits in his book, The Abolition of Man, I myself do not enjoy the society of small children. I recognize this as a defect in myself. This world and indeed our own selves are therefore unable to rightly judge anyone because judgment requires more than a perfect knowledge of the truth. Judgment can only be done by truth itself, who is Jesus. Our gospel readings during Advent remind us that Advent is a season of anticipation of the coming of Jesus and a warning of the judgment he will bring when he does in fact come. In our gospel readings on the first and second Sundays of Advent, Jesus came to Jerusalem and judged the religious establishment and brought with him condemnation when he overturned the money tables. He brought condemnation when he prophesied the destruction of the temple and he anticipates the coming judgment at the end of time. In today's gospel, Jesus also brings judgment upon St. John the Baptist. However, this judgment on John the Baptist is not condemnation, it is vindication. St. John the Baptist was astonishingly faithful to God. The Baptist's life was one of asceticism. He prayed in the wilderness. He ate locusts and wild honey. He made himself very unpopular through his messaging. He said to the elites of society, Who warned you, brood of vipers, of the judgment to come? Even Jesus says, What did you expect to see when you came seeking John the Baptist? St. John the Baptist prepared his whole life for the moment when he could say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. His ministry was an outward sign and direct consequence of his fierce faithfulness to God. In the end, he offended Herod Antipas, and St. John the Baptist was imprisoned. Today, Jesus judges St. John the Baptist by declaring him as the greatest prophet of Israel. The difference between the judgment brought with the coming of Christ in the first two Advent Gospel readings and the vindication brought to John the Baptist by Christ is faithfulness. As St. Paul says in today's epistle, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. St. John the Baptist was faithful to Jesus, and this faithfulness led him to preach repentance and to call on people to seek God and follow the law. St. John the Baptist was faithful to God in prison and faithful to God in his death. Today is the third Sunday in Advent. Today is also sometimes called Gaudet Sunday. Gaudet is the Latin word for rejoice. This Sunday is also distinct because its candle is pink instead of purple. Why is the candle pink anyway? This Sunday mirrors Refreshment Sunday in Lent, 
also a pink Sunday on some Ordo calendars. These pink Sundays are Sundays that mark that we are most of the way through the penitential season, and they are characterized by a brief lightening of our fast. The gospel readings also reflect this. Just like how the gospel readings in Lent move from Jesus' encounters with the demonic to Jesus feeding the 5,000, the gospel readings in Advent go from Jesus' righteous condemnation of the faithless to his righteous vindication of the faithful. St. John the Baptist's disciples ask, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? John the Baptist characterized Jesus' ministry as one of setting things right by saying, Every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is a true and accurate representation of Jesus' ministry. And someone needs to put it this way. In fact, the greatest prophet did put it this way. However, Jesus characterized his ministry somewhat differently. He quotes a verse from Isaiah 35. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Jesus continues, The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus characterizes his ministry as the one who brings health to the world. The coming of the Messiah is the coming of health and life in the world. As Jesus has said after his healings, your faith has made you whole. These outward healings were always a sign of an inward reality of faithfulness. Jesus is judging the faithful by making them whole. To the faithful, judgment brings with it healing. God's perfect judgment will set everything right, will heal all wounds, and our resurrection will be the outward sign of Jesus finding us a faithful people. As we pray today in our collect, at thy second coming to judge the world, we may be found an acceptable people in thy sight. Jesus will always judge the faithful by vindicating their faithfulness and by making the true state of their soul match the outward state of their physical body. Sometimes this will happen here and now in the sacrament of holy unction, and sometimes it will not. Jesus did not free St. John the Baptist from prison, and the Baptist was eventually murdered. Jesus also did not free himself from the custody of Herod on Good Friday. But health and everlasting life will be given to all the faithful when Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead at the end of history. The church must carry on the ministry of Jesus. The church should not condemn the world but seek to draw people to Christ so that they may be saved. As St. Paul says in the epistle, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Our community must give the faithful an opportunity to repent and be healed. This does not mean we ignore the truth in the process. A dog must still be called a dog, 
A cat must still be called a cat, and a waterfall must still be declared as sublime. A healthy church is able to welcome the faithful with health, but also give correction to those who need it. In fact, repenting of our own sins and receiving health for our souls are two sides of the same coin. You really cannot have one without the other. If judgment is going to bring vindication to the faithful, it must also bring condemnation to the faithless. The faithful will see this as true and will not be afraid to do the hard work required of Christian duty for the sake of creating an inviting community for others to come and grow in faith. This means we take serious our commitment to a life of prayer and seeking after God. Prayer is both the easiest thing we can do and the hardest thing we can do. It is easy to pray and reach out to God. It is hard work to do it consistently and regularly. Faithfulness to our Christian duty means to do the hard work of praying regularly. Our participation in our own Christian duties, in dedicating ourselves to a life of prayer, that is, the way the Holy Spirit is able to use our gifts as individuals for the good of the church as a whole community. Our life of prayer is not for ourselves only. It is necessary for the community. When we pray, we strengthen the church and we help each other. In fact, this work is not done by us. This work is done by the Holy Spirit. When we are faithful to God, our community is more effectively able to be informed by the Holy Spirit. We are more able to rely on the Holy Spirit's promptings to be and to do what is necessary in the situations it is needed in. Our community is able to be one where Jesus regularly comes to us to provide spiritual healing and therefore spiritual maturity. A healthy church also invites people into the hard work of Christian duty. It gives others a chance to pray more often and more regularly. It gives people an opportunity to receive the sacraments and grace from God to lead to a changed life. In fact, the church is the only community that will be vindicated at the end of time when Jesus comes to judge the world in righteousness. So, While we have time, we must do good to all men, for Jesus is coming, and it's Christ's hope, and therefore our hope, that all people would be righteously vindicated for their authentic faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.